Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight. And our topic is the journey home. Last time we talked about a place for you, that the Lord goes and prepares a place for us. And now this time we're going to talk a little bit about how to get there. Um, I need to tell you that there will be no class next week. Unfortunately, I have to spend time on the beach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. It's going to be rough. Pray for me. Um, but uh, that'll be very nice. So no class next week. And also there will be no class on August the 5th. Those are the only dates that I know that we'll miss this whole summer. Otherwise, we go right through. Okay. So journeys. Isn't it clear that this life is a, is a journey? We, we start out in infancy and so on. So our body goes through these changes. We, we go through this journey in this life. And we have the idea, don't we, friends, that we go through this journey in this life and then there'll be home of some kind in the other life. Uh, but that's really true in a sense, no matter how we've lived, uh, that life will be a journey and there'll be some sort of arriving at some kind of home. But if we want it to be a spiritual journey or if we want our home to be in heaven, what do we need to do uh, to get there? So we'll be talking about journeys tonight and... Uh, how would you like to join me for an opening prayer? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we thank you for bringing us together in your name. You are the one God of heaven and earth. You are the word made flesh. We pray for your presence among us. Please open your word to us, Lord, as we gather in your name. Amen. Thank you all, friends, and sending out love to those of you who are online and getting the audio and in various other forms. And uh, I would like to jump right in here. Let's start reading Journey. There's a lot in Scripture about Journey. There are a lot of journeys. Uh, if you've seen, uh, most Bibles have in the back, they have maps. Isn't that interesting? The Bible has maps in it. And the maps... Uh, we'll have things like where the children of Israel wandered and where they think they went in their wandering in the wilderness. It'll have the uh, four great journeys of Paul, his first one to Asia Minor and then one to Greece and then even to more places around Greece and then he goes all the way to Rome at the end of his life where he, he dies. So Paul was, was very itinerant or you know, traveling a lot in his life. And, uh, and there's a sense of um, uh, that life is a, is a journey and we're trying to get somewhere. Let's read some journey passages. Let's start in Genesis all the way at the beginning of your Bible there. Let's go to Genesis chapter 4. And uh, so you have Adam and Eve and they're in the garden and then they get kicked out of the garden and the movement begins. You know, there's a little exile all, already by the end of chapter 3. And then in 4, verse 14, I just wanted to read that verse real quick. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. This is Cain speaking to the Lord. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Yes. Uh, he'll be a fugitive and a vagabond. I think as we go through our lives... Um, don't we sometimes have that sort of sense of uh, homesickness is just sort of a general comment that we, we would long to be somewhere where we're, where we're comfortable, where we'll, we are loved and well understood and so on. Uh, very difficult to be Cain just facing a life as a fugitive and a vagabond moving from here to there and so forth. He's anxious about what's going to happen. Will people try to kill him and so on because he's being driven out uh, and he'll be a wanderer. Um, so I think there's something very deep in the human spirit that wants to, to find a home. And we have a sort of homesickness whether we're in touch with it all the time or not. But there's some place that we'd, we'd like to be that we think is even better than this, even if we haven't tasted it much in our lives. And uh, let's turn to Genesis 12. And read about Abram's journey. We've read this last week, but let's do it again. Just read that first verse in Genesis 12. 
Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now this is different than being a fugitive and a vagabond. You know, the Lord is sending him out, but there's definitely going to be a journey. And look at verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That's a good, good age to start over. <laughs> 75, right? <laughs> Typical sort of launch forth kind of date. Mm. Go on. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions <coughs> that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. So you get the sense he's in a tent and he's moving from A to B. <coughs> boom, boom. He left home. Uh, it was over in Ur of the Chaldees. He comes around the Fertile Crescent. Now he's in the Holy Land. He's moving from here, moving to there. Go on. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Mm. So Abram journeyed. He journeyed, yes. Going on still toward the south. Oh, and what happened in the next verse? Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Yes, that's right. And then 13, verse 1. Chapter 13. Chapter 13. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Yes, in the biblical journeys, there's quite a lot, as you may know, friends, of going down to Egypt, coming back, going down to Egypt, coming back. Uh, I think this is similar to things in our own lives where there's quite a bit of going to and fro. You know, if, if you're trying to deal with an issue, you'll have days where you're not dealing with it, and that's sort of a relief, and then you're back into the issue again, and then you're out again, and then you're back into it again. And uh, Life has this kind of to and fro to it sometimes, does it not? Uh, look at Genesis 24, verse 21. So we're just setting the stage as we sometimes do in Bible study here, loading these sort of journey passages mm -hmm. into our mind. I like this 24, 21. And the man, wondering at her, remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. I think that's the question. We're all journeying, but... Are we going to allow the Lord to make our journey prosperous or not? He's been on a journey. He's been sent out to find a wife for his master. But he's, hmm, oh, may, maybe this is going to work. You don't know when you go out on a journey. You don't know if you're going to be successful or not. And so I like that phrase about whether the Lord has made his journey prosperous or not. Look at Genesis 29, verse 1 there. So Jacob went this on is his Jacob, journey another one of the patriarchs, yep. and came to the land of the, of the people of the east. Yes, so Jacob is on a journey. He goes to the land of the people of the east. I just picked out some sort of journey passages. Look at this sad passage in Genesis 35 when they're traveling and traveling and traveling and traveling. You know, there's just been so much traveling. So Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, there were three generations living in the Holy Land most of the time and yet that was not their country. They were foreigners. We had a Bible study not too long ago about strangers. They were strangers in another territory. Even though they were third generation, they're still kind of newcomers and don't belong around here kind of thing. And look at uh, 35, starting at the ninth verse. We'll read a few verses in here. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. Okay. So, so Jacob and Israel, the same person. Go on. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. 
The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you, and to your descendants after you, I give this land. Mm. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. Bethel, okay. So God appears to him as he's journeying, and then what happens next? Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, mm. Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Mm. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Mm. And Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. And so what did he do? Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. Yes, that's right. And he just kept, just kept going. So Rachel... Uh, was his beloved. He'd worked so hard uh, for her and everything. And uh, she dies on the journey and they bury her and they just have to keep going, keep going, keep going. It's a journey, you know, a difficult journey. Look at Genesis 46. Uh, that's right. 46, the very beginning there. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Mm. Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, mm. for I will make of you a great nation there. And then this is an important verse here. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. Yes. So I'm just reading that because of the sense of there's another one of the patriarchs goes down to Egypt. The Lord says, I'm going to go with you. Don't be afraid to go there. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to bring you back. Why all this toing and froing? Uh, so much journeying. And, and it, it's not just a linear. You know, one thing would be just a journey where you start from A and you just go on a long journey and you get to B. But that's not the biblical journey. Biblical journey has back and forth and uh, seemingly around and around sometimes and so on. Uh, let's look in Exodus, which is the next book to your right. Look at Exodus chapter 12, starting at verse 37. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth about 600,000 men on foot besides children. Okay, so the group that is traveling has gotten somewhat larger. It's now 600,000 uh, men besides the, the, you know, their families and so on. And uh, look at verse 40 down there. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. Scripture has a lot of journeying in it. It has a lot of sojourning, meaning living for a long time in a country that's not your own. But I must say 430 years is a rather lengthy sojourn. You know, so they'd been in the, in the land of Canaan for three generations, and then they end up going down into Egypt. And then the, the family's there for 430 years. They, do, they are a great nation now. You know, they're, they're far more numerous than they were before. Uh, but they still are kind of homeless, yeah, I'm in a sense. You know, even though they've lived in Egypt for a long, long time, it's not their, not their country. And so they're traveling to go to some place that they're told will be their land. And look at Exodus 40. At the very end there, it starts to talk about, as you may know, friends, we're just skipping over things very quickly tonight, but the... Um, but the children of Israel, once they left Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for a long time, but they were led by this pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Look at verses 36 to the end of the chapter there, at the very end of Exodus. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. Ah, so the cloud would trigger the journey. Okay, <clears throat> go on. 
But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. Okay. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and the fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Yes, in the sight of them throughout all their journeys. So it's a very important detail there that as they leave Egypt, now so far they've just been sort of bouncing around and so forth, but now there's something that's leading them. And so when the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire lead them forward, then they move, and if they don't go... If the, if the cloud doesn't go, they don't go. Uh, turn to the right to Leviticus. Let's go to chapter 25. We're not going to do the whole Bible this way. Most of these are in the five books of Moses. But um, I want to look at 25 verse 23. There was just a striking statement there. The land shall not be sold permanently. This is talking about the Holy Land. For the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. Aha, so the Lord owns the territory and the people who live on it are strangers and sojourners. They're just, they're biding some time there, uh, but it's really owned by the Lord. So there's a reference to all the people being sojourners even after they get into the Holy Land. They're still sojourners. Okay, now a fun passage to me. Uh, turn to the right to Numbers chapter 9. I don't know if any of you work for the Department of Redundancy Department, but um, uh, it's a rather repetitious job. Uh, in Numbers chapter 9, we hear a lot about this journeying, the thing that we just heard about the cloud and the pillar of fire and so on. And look at how many times the word journey comes up. So let's read uh, from verse 15 there through the rest of that chapter in Numbers 9. Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. Sorry, it's covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. From evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Aha. Uh -huh. Whenever. Now, okay, go ahead. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after that, the children of Israel would journey. Okay, so they would journey when that cloud, we already read that in Exodus. They, they would journey when that cloud was taken up. And in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. Well, it's a great arrangement. So the cloud stops. So they said, okay, I guess this is where we pitch our tents. They would pitch their tents. So go on. At the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey. Oh, they would the, journey at the command of the Lord. Okay. And at the command of the Lord, they would camp. Oh, I see. So they would journey or they would stop based on the Lord's command. And how did that work? As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained and camped. Okay, they remained in time as long as it's... Okay, well, tell me more about that. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So what is added there is that even if it stayed a long time, they just had to hang in there and wait until it moved. Okay, explain some more. So it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain and camped. Okay. And according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. So I get the impression that they would stay when it was still <laughs> and they would go when it moved. <laughs> Tell me some more. <laughs> Sorry. So, so it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning. When the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey. That's right. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. So I'm getting the impression when the cloud moved, <laughs> they would go. Okay. Whether, Tell me some more. Whether it was two days, oh, two days. A, month, a month or a year oh, a year that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. I see. So they wouldn't, you mean they wouldn't, is that what you mean, dear reader? They would not journey if the cloud stayed still. But, but when it was taken up, they would journey. I see. So they would journey. Okay, go on. <laughs> at the command of the Lord, they remained encamped. And at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. It's probably the most repetitious <laughs> passage in all of Scripture. It's kind of amazing. And yet we know from the idea of an inner meaning that every single one of those permutations has a slightly different meaning to it. But what we get out of it very clearly is that the Lord was in control of their movements at that point. They were following the Lord. So although they were run by something else when they were in Egypt, by this point they had gotten connected with the Lord in the form of this, this visual form of this fire or this cloud. And when that would move, they would go. 
do I need to explain it? And when it would stop, <laughs> they would stop. It seems pretty clear that that's the way things worked. And it's nice to think about something. Now, what is there like that in our lives? It would be so nice to have something that clear that there was something physical that you could see that would go, oh, time to go or not go. With us, there's something internal and we want to get uh, attached if we can to something that would tell us time to go uh, with that same kind of clarity. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, go to the right to Deuteronomy chapter 2 and uh, let's read the first verses of chapter 2 there uh, because this is Moses talking about what happened on their journey and I like this little detail here. I never remember reading this before, but go on. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea. Okay. As the Lord spoke to me. Mm. And we skirted Mount Seir for many days. Okay, so there's Mount Seir and they skirted it for many days. It was just traveling, traveling, always within. You know how it is when you're out in the desert southwest or, you know, just you see these peaks for a long, that you're driving, driving, driving. You're just skirting this mountain. Go on. And the Lord spoke to me saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. Don't you like that? I like that. Turn northward. Yes. Okay, that's enough of that. You know, we've been going around this mountain long enough. Now turn to the north. Again, I like the sense of the clarity and the Lord leading the people. Okay, go on. Let's read a few more verses there. And command the people saying, you are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, mm. who live in Seir. Esau and Jacob, as you may remember, were brothers. And uh, so now the descendants of Jacob are going through the territory of the descendants of Esau. And they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, mm. for I will not give you any of their land. Okay. No, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Yes, okay. This is not your territory. So, so how many times does the Lord say, I am giving you this land of Canaan, mm. but it's, I'm not giving you Mount Seir. Mm -hmm. Go on. Keep going. You yeah. shall buy food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. Mm. He knows... It's like making your journey prosperous. You know, He's blessed you in the mm. work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. Oh, what a great phrase. <laughs> trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Mm. So we're journeying through life anyway, but to be able to journey with the Lord is such an important thing, to be able to go with the Lord. How nice to have the Lord say, okay, we're going around this mountain, and then He says, we've skirted this mountain long enough. Turn to the north, and, and uh, the Lord's just leading them, and they've lacked nothing because of that leading of the Lord. All right, now let's turn to the right. That's the five books of Moses, and that's much more concentrated than anything else we'll do. Let's go to the right and go through First and Second Samuel to First Kings, chapter nineteen. I just want you to read briefly about a journey that um, the prophet Elijah took. He had just done something immensely powerful, and uh, and then Jezebel, this queen, threatened his life, and he went on this journey. So let's start at verse four there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness mm. and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. There's an interesting sense of reversal again here where he's been in the Holy Land. This is when they've been there a long time and conquered enemies and so forth. He's in the land, but now he's leaving and going out back out into the wilderness. Go on. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. I love this story so much. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Yes, and how often when we're suffering or we think we're forgotten by the Lord, and if some angel could just say, Oh, there's a jug of water and a bunch of food right by your head that you haven't noticed. And um, so we're being taken care of more than we know. Go on. 
And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. Uh -huh. So he arose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights, so far as Horeb, the mountain of God. The mountain of God. He's going backwards. I mean, this is where they were. They had been at the mountain of God, you know, Mount Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given. But, but Elijah's going backwards, traveling on the strength of this food from the angel. He goes 40 days and 40 nights all the way to the mountain of God, going back to, back to that point. So again, it's not a linear, it's not start here, go there. When you get there, you're done. It's, it's a back and forth kind of thing, these scriptural journeys that we're talking about. Okay, let's shift into the psalm. So turn to the middle of your book roughly and let's go to Psalm 23. Very well-known psalm, just six verses long, but it, but it speaks about traveling and journeying with the Lord, does it not? The Lord is... Beginning? Mm -hmm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Yes, that leading that we heard about. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Mm. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that word follow is wonderful, isn't it? That goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely this is the home that you're trying to travel to. You're trying to get to that that home, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So this both has the sense of the leading. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And uh, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a prosperous journey. That's the Lord making his way prosperous. Uh, Psalm 39 just go into the 12th verse there. Psalm 39. It's a psalm of David. What does David say here? Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as all my fathers were. Yes, interesting. Now, nobody was more downtown than King David, <laughs> and yet he's saying, I'm, I'm a stranger with you, I'm a sojourner, you know. It's the, it's the Lord's land, and so he's not, you know, what is he saying? That he's not home with the Lord yet, that just as all my fathers were, you know, hear my cry. He wants to keep going in his, in his life to be with the Lord. Uh, turn to Psalm 107. This is kind of a fun passage, unless you happen to be boating. Uh, 107, let's start at verse 23. Because this speaks to a different type of, uh, I don't know, toing and froing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in mm. the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the mm. heavens. They go down again mm. to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. Have you ever felt like you were mounting up to heaven and then going down to the depths. And mm -hmm. I think that's very psychologically descriptive. Mm -hmm. And then what? They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man mm. and are at their wits end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distress. Uh -huh. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Very important. He, oh. he guides them to their desired haven. He, he brings them home. Mm. So that image of being at sea, people use that expression still, don't they? Like, I, I'm so far out to sea with this thing, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, they're, they're out at sea. There's some thrashing storm. They're riding up and going down. Their soul melts. They're reeling to and fro. They cry to the Lord. 
and he brings them out of their distress and he brings them to their desired haven, to that point. So what an image, like is our whole life in this world like tossing around on these waters and then crying out to the Lord and then as we pass on into the other world, does he eventually bring us to that desired haven, you know, where we, where we wish to be? And let's just read that verse 31. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's, that's right. It's very kind of the Lord to bring us through those circumstances. Oh, let's turn to the right and go through Isaiah to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, these were just passages that came to mind in connection with um, this sort of traveling and journeying motif. Hmm. Hope nobody's feeling car sick or anything. Uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Isn't that beautiful? like that sense of the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire that the Lord has drawn us. He's loved us with an everlasting love and therefore He has drawn us. He's carrying us through this journey. We're all on a journey. We're all going somewhere. But the journey uh, the Word urges on us is to be that journey with the Lord where He's drawing us, where He's taking us through these things, where He's solving the storm, uh, where he's keeping us safe if we're in the valley of the shadow of death, uh, being able to travel with the Lord. That's the, that's the way to go, right? Uh, let's turn into the New Testament all the way to the Gospel of Luke there. Third Gospel. Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Okay. Let's read the first six verses of Luke 9, if you would. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Mm. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey, mm. neither staffs, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics apiece. Mm. Whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there, depart. And whoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Yes, so there's another sort of journey, the sending out of the disciples, and they're going forth from one place to another. They're on a mission of, of healing and, and preaching the gospel. And look at the end of chapter 9 there. How about, uh, oh, this is a beautiful passage in, in verse 57. Let's start there. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road hmm. that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Hmm. And Jesus said to him, hmm. foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Such a heartbreaking statement. I, f I find that a very haunting statement. Uh, you know, these birds and animals have a home. They have some place to go to, but the Lord doesn't have. He has nowhere to lay his head. What does that mean? And this comes up in the context of someone saying, I'll follow you wherever you go. Why would he say that right then? And then there's another conversation about following. Keep going? Yes. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Mm. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So there's this sense that the Lord is moving and that we're to follow the Lord and to follow him wholeheartedly. Uh, but why would he say he has nowhere to lay his head? What, what's the implication of that? I'll, I'll return to that in a bit. But the Lord says the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. 
Uh, and there's things at the beginning of John, isn't there, in John chapter 1 about uh, he came to his own and his own received him not, but as many as did receive him, he gave them power and so on, uh, that there was a lot of non-reception in this world. The Lord had nowhere to lay his head in the sense that he didn't, he didn't find a home here with people. Look at 13, uh, Luke 13, verse 22. These are long chapters. 22? Yes. And he went through the cities and villages. This is Jesus. Teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Yes. Isn't that, so he's got a goal. He's going towards Jerusalem, but he's journeying. So even Jesus in this world was journeying. He's journeying towards Jerusalem. And look at verse 31 there. On that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Mm. So he's saying, you know, go somewhere else to, to keep yourself safe. And then his answer is wonderful. And he said to them, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. So he's journeying to Jerusalem. Journeying to Jerusalem. So, he's, so Jesus in this world, the Lord has this journey that he's going on. All right. Uh, have a look at John, the next uh, gospel, chapter 4. Just flying through all these things. Some loose ends may result, but it's, it's just interesting to think about how much journeying is part of this. I was struck by this statement, John 4, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, I, I, we should, you know, let's read verse 3 back there. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Okay, so Judea and Galilee, and then in between you go through Samaria. But he needed As to go through Samaria. Thank you. So mm -hmm. he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Mm, so it maps it right onto that Jacob story and Joseph when Jacob was just a sojourner there. Go on. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, oh. sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So, oh, well, he, so he got tired? That's what it says. Jesus got tired when he was traveling? Like that wore him out? He was wearied, that's what it said, right? It said he was wearied from his journey and he sat down by this well because he was, he was wearied from the journey. So Jesus went through journeying in this world as well and it, and it wearied him and he was going somewhere, going to Jerusalem and he knew what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. So that must have been quite a journey to be heading in that direction. Turn to the right and go to Acts chapter 9, if you would. It's the next book that comes up right there. And uh, what is Paul doing when he has his vision of Jesus that completely turns his whole life around? Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he journeyed... Oh, he was journeying. <laughs> he was on a journey. Let's just read that verse. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Yeah, that's right. And this is when he, he encounters Jesus. He's struck blind and so on. Very dramatic story. It's told, I think, three times in the book of Acts. Uh, he's on a journey. He's already on a journey. He was just on a journey to go persecute Christians, and instead he became a Christian. And uh, so his whole life was changed, and he was on this journey. And look, if you will, go through the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians. Get to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 because Paul describes something about all the journeying that he did after that in the name of Christianity. He has a little, uh, uh, little bit on that here. Let's start at verse 22 in 2 Corinthians 11. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors. Oh, I am more, sorry, 
in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, mm. in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Mm. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Oh, like Jonah or something. Mm-hmm. In journeys often. In often. Pe- in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. My own countrymen. <laughs> That's in right. perils of the Gentiles. By the Gentiles. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Oh, they make, yes, go on. In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Yes, so it's a great little list of like, in the, in the journey of life, you know, the journey of life is intense and you go through a lot. And so there's something I like about that list of just, he has really paid a certain price for going out and doing this uh, Christian evangelization. It, it has been intense and he mentions some of the things that he's he's been through you know almost uh, wasn't the idea that 40 that if you were beaten 40 times you would die so they'd beat you 39 times so you're almost oh. dead and he went went through that three times five times he said five times he went through that three times beaten with rods he was stoned once somehow survived it and uh shipwrecked and and in often on the road, you know, often in journeying, in perils of various different kinds from his own people, other people, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, wearying and painfulness. And, and um, it's a difficult life. We don't go through, all, the, all of us go through the same sort of physical drama that he went through, but all of our lives bring us some, some drama and there's this sense of journeying and so on. All right, let's me, let me show you a little map that I've made here. Of just For those of you who are getting the audio, it's just a, a, a line goes out and then it zigs back, zig back and forth, back and forth, and then around here, over here, and then up and around and around there, over here and over there. But it finally ends up at a big word that says home at the top, that you, you finally make your way home. This is this idea of this journeying the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness, the patriarchs before them going back and forth to Egypt and so on, uh, but they're in quest of something. They're, they're trying to go somewhere. They want the holy land, the land flowing with milk and honey. They want to get, get someplace good. This is this home that we're going for. Now, um, something else that we must read. It's required, isn't it, by law. Let's turn to the left to John 14. And uh, because this is so important, it relates to everything that we've been reading about just now. Uh, Let's just read this again. We read it last week, but it's great. Let's start at the beginning of John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Says Jesus. That's right. Mm -hmm. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, mm. that where I am, there you may be also. Very important. Where, where the Lord is, there you may be also. And then he makes this astounding statement. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. The way? How, how's that possible? Thomas reacts the same way that I think any of us would. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and and how can we know the way? (laughs) If we don't know where it is, how can we know how to get there? You know, we we don't know the way, and Jesus says this astonishing thing. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the implication there is that the Father is the ultimate destination, meaning that divine love. And then they have a discussion about the, 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 that he and the Father are one. The Father dwells in him and does the works. Believe me, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me and so on. Uh, so the Lord says he is the way. Well, one thought that I had about that was that, um, have you ever been in a situation, friends, where um, someone, some stranger comes up to you and says, uh, I need directions uh, to the turnpike. And so you start to tell them, 
Okay, we'll turn left. Well, not at that first light. It's, the, it's really the second light. So there's a building. Well, it used to be a bank. I forget what's there now. Um, but there's, um, and so keep to the right. It's important you get in that right-hand lane. And then, oh, I'll just take you, you know. And you get in the car and you drive ahead of them and then they follow you. Uh, when it's too complicated to tell somebody how to get from A to B, you just say, follow me. Even when you're, you know, in a big store sometimes, and you say, "Where is the, you know, where, where are these, where are the receptacles or something?" And they, oh, boom, and they'll take you. So now they could tell you, "Well, go down here, go there, turn left, all this stuff," or they could just walk you there. If they just walk you there, or if you drive in a car or something like that, let's say with a car. Uh, your job is not to remember a hundred directions and which way north is and all that kind of stuff. You just have to hang on to that car, right? If it's at night, it's a little difficult because sometimes you can't recognize their car. Another car pulls out in between. You don't know. Is that the, was that them or I'm not sure which one I'm following? But your job is to hang on to them and they will get you to the place you need to go. And the same with tearing through a store with, with a shop clerk or something. Um, you need to hang on to that person. When the Lord says, I am the way, is he not saying, uh, it's complicated. I can give you some directions. I can tell you, shun evils as sins against the Lord. You know, I can give you the Ten Commandments. Uh, I, can, I can guide, but the, but the most important thing is for me to guide you. Uh, look what he did with the children of Israel. He didn't say... Um, I'll be waiting for you in the Holy Land. Just uh, if you get to the sea, turn right, unless it's that other sea, in which case turn left and keep going, you know, or something. He, he doesn't give them directions like that. Uh, he actually goes with them and leads them. And when he moves, they move. And when he stops, they stop. And so he can take them through all these stages because it's way too complicated to try to tell somebody what that whole thing is. The journey that the Lord wants to take us on is way too complicated to try to describe to us on a single sheet of paper and say, well, do this. And when you get to that point, do this. And then when you get to that, do uh, that. The Lord gives us a lot in the word. But ultimately, the purpose of that is to get us associated with the Lord so that we can follow him. So that when he goes, we go and, and we're reasonably in touch with the Lord as he's trying to carry us through this complicated journey. This journey is sort of archetypal and everybody goes through it, but it's also very individual. You know, each of us goes through a, a different journey. We start out in a different place. There are people who are uh, sort of by nature hard and the Lord needs them to be, become softer. There are people who are by nature soft. The Lord needs them to toughen up a little bit or there are people who this way and that, you know, that everybody's going in different directions, but the Lord's leading us all to our home. And so the function of following the Ten Commandments is so important because that's how we become open to the Lord's leadership. Moses, who represents that law, you know, leads us through, through the wilderness and that pillar of cloud and that pillar of fire. Um, and when we finally get home... Then we would say, after all that longing and all that desiring and everything, what does it say? This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. You know, this is, you've longed for this place. This is where you want to go. And so when you finally get there to your eternal home, and I hasten to say that in terms of our eternal home, once you get there, then your life really begins. Uh, it's a very dynamic process. If your home happens to be in heaven, uh, you will be endlessly learning. You'll be being perfected. You'll be growing in various ways. Your community will be growing and enlarging with this wonderful new people who come in. Uh, it's not static, so don't think about it as static. But there's a sort of journeying slash sojourning phase that we go through. And then there's a you're there phase, you know, that you got home. Swedenborg has such beautiful descriptions 
of people going home in the spiritual world. He says that there are literally journeys. After we die, we go into the world of spirits and we're just journeying. There are pathways and nobody can quite tell you where you're supposed to go. You're, you're, the Lord leads you through your own heart. Is this it? Is it this community? Is that my house? Is this where I belong? And then when you finally get there, it's like, wow. Ah, you know, a place where you feel so comfortable and the people are such a good fit and you love working with them. They're, they're, they're so great and, you, and you're useful and they know who you are. They appreciate you and, and they can really see who you are. And, and um, such a wonderful thing to, to come home like that. Um, now, an interesting twist I want to throw in here at the last minute. Because I, th I think that's very beautiful and that the Lord takes us through that journey. And what we've got to do is kind of hang on for dear life. To try to go through enough repentance that the, we can get connected and have some sense of the Lord leading us. Generally speaking, where you're headed is towards greater compassion, more truth, uh, dial down the lower self, dial up the higher self, and so on. Um, but there's a, there's a little twist I want to throw on this at the end, um, which is this. Let's go read that psalm that I just mentioned. Shall we go look at Psalm 132? Uh, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Psalm 132. Let's have a look at that and see what that context is there. Psalm 132. Okay. Let's look at, start in verse 11. I don't know. The Lord has sworn in truth to David. He will not turn from it. I will set upon your throne the fruit of, my bo of your body. So mm. If your, sons, if. Will, if your mm -hmm. sons will keep my covenant and my testimony, which I shall teach them, their sons also shall sit upon your throne forevermore. Mm. For the Lord has chosen Zion. Zion. Now, Zion was that mountain. It said the Lord was headed towards Jerusalem. Zion was that the mountain where Jerusalem was. Okay, the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. Whose dwelling place? His dwelling place. Oh, the Lord has desired it for his dwelling place. Mm -hmm. Go on. This is my resting place forever. Oh, oh, wait. I thought we said that. I thought we said this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Who's saying this? The Lord has, I guess, yeah. The Lord. The Lord has chosen Zion. He has right. desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Mm. The Lord, I don't know if I can get my point across. I, I hope that I can. Um... Oh, go to the New Testament. Look at, look at John here. So go back to the Gospel of John, if you will. Just a couple more scriptures. Uh, we were just in John 14. Have a look at John 14 again. That was talking about how the Father and Jesus are one. Right? And look at verse 23 right down there. Same chapter. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. We will make our home with him. We'll make our home. The Lord is the one saying, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. Look at chapter 15, verse 16 in John. 15, 16... You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You have not chosen me. I've chosen you. And can you turn to the right, my dear and patient friends, go through Acts and Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians, get to Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and just look at... Uh, mm, verses 16 and 17. Of chapter... 3, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 3. 16 and 17? Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory... Nice ellipses, dear reader. <laughs> to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And what's the purpose of that? 
That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And what would be the, what condition are we in? That you being rooted and grounded in love. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Paul doesn't know when to stop a sentence. And uh, being that you, so we would be in that state of being rooted and grounded in love and that the Lord would be dwelling in our hearts. This is my resting place. The whole time that we're journeying, we're journeying, we're seeking the Lord. We feel homesick. We want to be somewhere where we will feel comfortable, where we will feel joy, where we'll feel peace and safety from evil and we'll be among friends and all that. But the Lord is also on this journey and where he wants to go is to you. You are the home that he desires. He wants to live in you. He wants to have a home in you. He wants to be understood and loved and treasured. He wants to work with you. You are his home. So we're going towards the Lord as our home, but he's trying to get to us as his home. He wants to live in us. He's the one who says, this is my resting place. When, when we really get to that stage, he says, this is my resting place. I'm going to stay here forever. This is my home. What did he say? The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. When he was in this world, there was no one who could understand him. No one received him. His own disciples were dumb as dirt. They had no idea who he was or what he was doing. Some people thought, oh, well, maybe this will be of political advantage. Or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll be great and I'll get to sit on a throne or something. You know. Nobody understood what was going on. He had nowhere to lay his head. He came into this world looking for a home. He wanted to find that home. He wanted to find that place where he could breathe easy, where he could relax, where he knows he's among his own people, where he's treasured and loved and understood. He just, he just wants to work with us. It's, it's not fancy. You know, it's not rocket science. He, he just wants to live in us and for us to live in him. And he's looking for a home at the same time that we're looking for a home. So as we go on this journey, you know, it may feel to us sometimes like, well, maybe is this a self-centered thing? You know, am I just trying to get a good situation for myself in the other world or something like that? Think about it as giving the Lord a home. Uh, that's a very selfless thing that just breaks my heart when he says, I have nowhere. I don't have anywhere to live. So people say, I want to follow you wherever you go. What does he say to them? I have nowhere, I have nowhere to live. I think what he means is, where I want to go, they say, we want to follow you. So you go somewhere and we'll follow you. And what he says, I want to go to you. That's where I want to live. You're my home. I want to live in you. You know, I don't, I don't have anywhere to, where am I going? I'm, I came into here to be with you. I don't care about Capernaum, Jerusalem, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I, I came here to be with people. I want to be with you. I want to find a home where I can stay in you and with you, where I'm loved, where I'm treasured, where I'm understood, where I can work with people who I love. The Lord wants the same things that we want. He plants that longing in us. So think about that longing. And if you can, friends, I know the math is difficult. Multiply it by infinity. <laughs> Multiply it by infinity. The Lord has this infinite desire, and He already has a home. He has a home with these angels, home with those angels. Things are getting better and better. The light of the moon is like the light of the sun. The light of the sun will be like seven days. The things are getting better and better all the time. But uh, He has this, um, the home that He builds with you will be unique. That's why it says the Father and the Son in there, you know, that we will make our home with Him because that's the divine love and the divine truth will come. They, they, they want to live in us, to have a, a manifestation in us. It's, it just blows my mind to think about the Lord trying to come uh, to be, you know, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn you. 
Yeah. So the journey home is not only a journey home for us, it's a journey home for the Lord. And I think that's a very beautiful thought. And so it involves a lot of to and fro, occasionally wild beasts. Now and then you get stoned or beaten or, you know, hit with rods. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a bumpy ride here. Uh, but the Lord is bringing us along. If we can, we're, we're going to end up at home one way or the other. But the home the Lord wants is for us to be his home. Everybody, the Lord goes to the other world to prepare a place for everybody, a place in hell, a place in heaven, whatever, whatever the, our choices imply. But what the Lord really wants is he's looking for a place to lay his head. Thank you, good friends. Shall we close with a prayer? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you're the one God of heaven and earth. We understand from your word, Lord, that we are to expect a certain sense of spiritual homelessness or wandering or going to and fro, searching and seeking, sojourning, sometimes for hundreds of years, Lord. But we would like to provide you with a home and we would like to be at home in you. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, so we can give the Lord a good home.